Hey, you're listening to Cloud and Clear. I'm your host, Rocky Giglio, and uh, excited to have Don Duet, he's CEO and co-founder of Concourse Labs, on with me today. Uh, but uh, before we get begin, don't forget to like and subscribe down below. Hey, Don, uh, super happy to have you on. Um, I guess let's just jump in and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you spent 30 years at Goldman Sachs. You've been developing software, large corporations around the world. So uh, give us a little bit of your background and, and how, kind of how, how you got into the security space. Sure. No, thank you, Rocky. Happy to be here. And thanks for the opportunity. So as you mentioned, I've held senior leadership roles in technology at Goldman Sachs for over almost 30 years. I was the firm's CTO and a partner, um, helped drive a lot of the technology strategy at Goldman, um, worked a lot with the industry, particularly over the last you know 10 years with many of the cloud providers, really helping kind of move Goldman Sachs up into public infrastructure, really helping design and build for this next generation of technology. Um, more recently, I founded Concourse Labs along with JROM, who's one of my colleagues at Goldman Sachs and a co-founder, with our goal really to help simplify cloud governance, security, and compliance, and provide continuous visibility and control over all cloud assets. This is one of the critical learnings we had at Goldman through our journey to public cloud was that the need to really build and design technology to facilitate for operating in cloud at scale with critical assets was essential. So we're hopefully helping a lot of the industry with that journey as well. Love it. Yeah, it's such an area of, of just concern today. I mean, everybody's in the cloud in some way, shape or form. Um, and then you have, you know, provider sprawl and, you know, uh, you've got folks building and deploying things and, you know, on their own personal credit cards and, you know, just things are everywhere. Right. Uh, and so you end up with this real need to, to start driving policy uh, from the top down and then making sure that, that those things are in place. Um, and even, you know, uh, use the old adage, right, shift left. Right. We need to start shifting all of that left so that we're we're thinking about policy and control and governance, you know, from the get go, um, which is which is definitely something I'm seeing a lot more of. Uh, and it's a, it's a real need. I mean, it's a real need in our customer base. Uh, talked to somebody or uh, last week kind of around the same lines of, you know, how do we integrate security into the code that's deploying our infrastructure as we go? Um, so I guess tell me a little bit about kind of what what made you want to get into this governance space? Like what was the need that you saw? And uh, how's Concourse Labs filling that gap? It's very much as you described, you know, one of the things I think that's under-recognized is that, you know, everything when you move to cloud is impacted. And, and so the way you think about your developer practices, the way that you look to, you know, build data and content management. So, you know, the cloud does affect everything, but in a substantially more outsized way, the cloud really does impact the way that companies have historically managed technology and security and control. And both from the you know, very basic inherent kind of risk perspective and in many corporates where you're on premise, you may have a little section of your environment you'd call your DMZ or demilitarized zone where you'd run client internet facing applications, but it was a tiny fraction of your entire kind of infrastructure and application base. Um, and in there, you know, you really had to extremely focus on controls because you were facing off in, to the external world. You, you had, you know, many different types of risks that you would not have and where you're protected by your own firewall. Um, when you move to cloud, that problem just gets, you know, multiplied because now everything that you're running is in public cloud is, has some degree of inherent risk that it's running and operating. 
in a way that could be connected to the internet. It, it's ultimately going to be you know, provided from a hosting perspective by a third party. So the, the fundamental challenge for risk control and governance just really does change in a very dramatic way when you move to public cloud. And, and we see that kind of as the, ultimately that starting point for you know, ultimately why, why do you need to rethink security? How do you really need to kind of embrace kind of a new generation of how to operate, manage, uh, and, and you know, work successfully in public cloud environments um, versus on-premise? And, and it really does require that degree of rethink. And I guess along those lines, like what are you guys seeing as kind of the top trends here this year? Like what do you, what do you think is the things everyone's going to be talking about and needing to really solve for coming into 2023? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, you know, we're seeing a progression in the way that people are thinking about securing public cloud and, and, you know, hybrid cloud environments, Uh, obviously not, not exactly a new topic. It's been around for, for a while, but I think, you know, one of the most important things that we see fundamentally is what we would call kind of the, the age of enterprise public cloud. So a lot of the early stages of cloud were mostly driven by smaller firms, companies like mine that really said, you know, we need to start cloud native, but we're starting from scratch versus starting from having a lot of existing technology and processes and procedures. So that's, that's first and foremost, we, we definitely believe we're in kind of the very early stages of really the enterprisation of public cloud and how that's going to change and, and you know what will become both changes for companies that are consumers of cloud, as well as what the services are that the cloud providers are providing, we think is, is an ongoing story. Uh, when we think about specifically for 2023, a couple of things, you know, number one, I think infrastructure as code, which again is, is not a new topic, you know, we're really seeing it get into kind of the, the mainstream. What we're finding, you know, within most customers, infrastructure code is now really the only way they're going to approach procurement in public cloud. We're seeing a lot of kind of this next generation of infrastructure as code, which is usually embodied by building, you know, either platform teams within your own company that create your own custom modules or, or custom infrastructure that can then be consumed by your development team. So we're seeing this whole new mature prioritization of infrastructure's code, which is super important because as you mentioned earlier, like getting to where you can sync control and, and, and security deeper into all the different building blocks that we're seeing that, you know, is, is also playing itself out in infrastructure code, but also having a new generation with, you know, the kind of approach towards common shared modules that then ultimately are used to create kind of the building blocks for cloud from an application perspective. Um, you know, secondly, I think a continuing story, but I think getting, you know, extremely more highlighted in 2023 will be the whole fundamental of of physics and automation. And so, you know, as companies really start to move beyond their early stage usage of public cloud uh, into much more mainstream and, and you're going from tens to hundreds of applications, maybe on your path to thousands, just the physics of that just mean that you can't do things manually. You can't do manual reviews of change. You can't do manual architecture assessments of your, you know, your application designs. Everything is on a path towards automation. And we see that, again, very much accelerating, um, whether it be what people may talk about in terms of risk posture management. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, we think everything in, in all, all the fundamental aspects of the security management chain are going to move into an automation framework. And that's hopefully the effect of that means that more and more of what the security teams could focus on are higher order problems, higher order you know, degrees of um, looking for managing threats and what's next in the equation. 
And then third, I would say, you know, this continued, you mentioned shift left. Um, the, we kind of think of it as the movement towards preventative control, that recognizing that, you know, being in the cloud and being in a risk environment from a production perspective, uh, it's too late to find issues. So a lot of the early stages of cloud security were focused on detective type controls. How can I find things as soon as possible from the point of view of the runtime? Um, and we see that, you know, having accelerated and we think 2023 is going to be, you know, kind of almost a tipping point year where it's going to be really hard to explain why you're not doing preventative controls, why you're not getting in front of, you know, even before you provision to ensure that what you're going to provision is going to actually meet your needs from a security and regulatory perspective. So, all, you know, all of these uh, three kind of major focus areas, we think also has the backdrop of helping with this, you know, long march <laughs> towards zero trust and embracing zero trust philosophy. But we see those, those three um, as the principal focuses for 2023 from, from a lot of our clients and people we're working with in the industry. Yeah, for sure. And I think we're seeing the same um, here. And of course, the industry is seeing the same. You'll, if you go read anything from Forbes, CIO, whomever, um, you're going to see those same trends kind of top of the list, right? Is We've got to do better at automating things, you know, integrating security into our code and, and deployment policies and pipelines even. Um, and then you brought up something which is really interesting. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about how Concourse is helping customers solve this problem. But that is the sprawl of code. Right. If you go to deploy an infrastructure today, GitHub is full of, you know, infrastructure code that you can go grab, copy, paste, deploy. Um, you've got container images, you, you know, just on and on down the list um, and all good developers copy and paste. Right. We know that we know that's true. Um, if you've done any sort of development in, in your life, like you've surely copied and pasted your, your code from somewhere. Right. Um, and then, you know, something interesting is the whole chat GPT thing, right? So you're going to have this robot um, answering questions and sending code to your developers and your infrastructure guys, right? Who are trying to keep up with the pace of cloud. And um, how does Concourse Labs really help a customer in that type of an environment, right? Because that is an ongoing challenge. And I think from a maturity Absolutely. model, it's something we have to focus on uh, this year and, and kind of going forward, which is how do we limit those sources and make sure they're secure? You hit it on the head, right? I mean, it's sprawl, and, and not just sprawl of code, sprawl of everything, of, of code, of, of, you know, tools, of, you know, kind of various processes and procedures that you're operating. When you think about kind of the, the total landscape for, you know, how do I look at, how, how, do, how can I operate over, and what do I need to operate over in order to do whatever degree of introspection I need in order to confirm that I'm in compliance with a control objective or security objective, that, that landscape is very broad, very diverse and only increasing so. And so I think that that is one of the, the major kind of fundamental problems that people have when they're approaching public cloud um, in particular is, again, uh, just diversity and complexity of, of their existing environments, the, the way that that accelerates often as they move into public cloud environments, the way that the velocity of that also accelerates as they start embracing agile and CI/CD and, and DevOps practices. So you know all that becomes a major challenge. You know when we started Concourse Labs, a, a big part of our philosophy and, and really kind of foundation was that solving for and 
providing a deflator to this inflation problem, right? That the more more applications, the more you innovate, the more you're going to build applications and software, the more that's going to add to the complexity that you need to manage. Um, and so a big part of what we focus in on is really enabling the ability for policy to become a, a, a critical flattener of that. So the, the ability to be able to express controls and objectives that you need, and then be able to implement those over a very diversified set of applications, infrastructure, languages, um, and so forth is what we focus in on. So part of our technical architecture is fundamentally, you know, the ability to think of policy as a single first class entity in your application and your data environments and to support the ability for those policies to apply over a very robust and increasingly larger set of, of artifacts and, and data sets, whether those are all the way upstream into your SCM and your build time or they're all the way downstream in the actual runtime of your cloud that really kind of supporting that across both the diversity of, of solutions and then the diversity of, of things you need to introspect, as well as uh, you know that full life cycle from from creation all the way through to actual running and operating in a live uh, production cloud environment. Yeah, it's interesting because automation just naturally flows out of that, right? You you can't achieve any of that without automation built into that, right? So you start thinking it's automation about automation, and it's 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 the, a major part of the value of policy, which yeah. I think a lot of people don't often think about because policy is you know is a, is a big word. You can extrapolate that into lots of different kind of meanings, but ultimately what it does, which is incredibly valuable, is it forces you to truly formalize, to explain, mm. you know, what is that, what is right and what is wrong and what That's is right point. and what is wrong in this context or, you know, for this particular way that I'm programming this piece of code or this particular way that I'm constructing this service in the cloud. So it's it's it could be painful <laughs> yeah. in the sense that you know it really forces you to take these kind of high level ways we like to talk about risk and control, but then you have to really nail it down. Mm. Uh, but the great thing about it is once you nail it down, you now have an artifact. You now have something that you continue to maintain, you can expand, you can grow. And to your point before, you can share because you're probably having lots of places where you're doing the same thing, but you're maybe reinventing the wheel each time. And so having a shared you know, policy as code artifact that can be deployed across your organization gives you great scale and leverage. But uh, the, the formalization of it is, is super important. You know, If you want to automate something, um, you need to be able to make decisions in, in software. That means you need to have kind of the rule set uh, in software in order to make that evaluation. And it, it, one, again, one of the things we find when people embrace policies code that they realize very quickly, again, is that kind of, you know, that need to kind of get to literal formalization is both um, incredibly powerful and beneficial for them, but it's also like just, you know, hard to do socially and and within, you know, many organizations, it often requires a degree of collaboration um, that may not intrinsically have been there, you know, or, or the control yeah. people really talking to the security Front line, first line of defense team. Are they talking to the actual architecture teams and the developers? Like getting that dialogue in place that ultimately yields this kind of well-defined set of rules and requirements at a level of detail that you can now codify it um, and really drive automation is where you get to uh, you know a big part of the benefit. Yeah, I love that. I think that's a that's a, a huge struggle for most customers. Right? Is we all know we should formalize and we should bring those policies in and we should be maturing those policies, but um, it's really hard to do because of all the things you just said, right? All the players that are involved in that. Um, and so I really like the idea of, you know, as we start to automate those policies and integrate them as we as we do try to ship left with security, um, it forces us to mature, right? It forces us to really kind of come together and say, hey, this policy, this is what this policy means and here's how we're going to implement this policy kind of start to finish 
uh, across the organization. And that really is going to drive uh, maturity in conversation, uh, change of behavior uh, across teams, better collaboration. Uh, and if it doesn't, if you don't achieve it, right, at least it gives you a measure of, you know, these are things we need to fix, right? Um, Absolutely. And, 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 you know, knowing that it's, it's everything changes. So whatever you decided was the set of the right set of logic and rules today, it's going to be different tomorrow. It, it really acts as like an IP contract across these different groups and teams. And, you know, in some ways that, that is the most long-term beneficial that as you start moving to where you are kind of working more collaboratively on these kind of this IP contract that is your set of policy as code, um, it creates the basis for that to be efficient, for that to be, you know, well understood for really kind of, again, groups that may feel somewhat orthogonal to each other, um, that that's how they can kind of get that guarantee that they can understand if I'm the if I'm building software, these are the rules that I have to abide by. It's clear, it's documented, it's in code. I can see it. I can see it in my IDE. If I'm, you know, on the opposite side of the equation and I'm sitting, you know, more in a second line or, or first line of defense function, I know what all the rule sets are. And I know as I believe we need to improve our risk posture or change it, I know that I also need to kind of embed that into these contracts. So it creates a really virtuous process, uh, you know, for, for companies. And as you start kind of envisioning this future where where you know, more and more of your data and your applications are running in you know, an increasingly larger number of third-party locations, it just creates a necessary fabric for really kind of operating that safely. We've developed what we call the Cloud Security Confidence Program, and kind of the premise is exactly that, right? You're, we're all at a certain state today, and there's different areas where we need to focus, and this kind of drives a lot of those, those conversations, right, which is how do we really get to a point where we can confidently say we have the right behaviors, the right policies, the right automations, the right tools uh, to, to achieve the security goals that we have as an organization and, and, and not feel like, man, at any moment, you know, the crap's just going to hit the fan and, you know, we're going to get that phone call that, you know, somebody's been in our environment for the last 180 days, stealing all our data and sending all our customers data. Like, you know, how do we achieve that? Um, and I think part of what part of that is building that confidence that, you know, we've taken the time to think about the policy. We've taken the time to start maturing the way we we implement security from the beginning, right, all the way through to production and then end of life. Um, and then you hit something uh, earlier when you were kind of listing some of the top trends, which is getting to that zero trust model, like a true zero trust model. Uh, a lot of times as organizations, I think we think about zero trust as like this end user computing thing, right? Hey, your computer's not trusted. You sit out there and when you attach to my environment, you know, we don't trust your device and, and we don't trust you as a user, but it's really a broader, you know, zero trust is really broader than that, right? It, it touches things like data and infrastructure and really not trusting, you know, I'm not going to trust the front end application server to touch the back end database, right? There's mm -hmm. zero trust there and, and driving that across the infrastructure uh, that runs our businesses as well as obviously the users and, and their identities. But um, building that in kind of feeds into this whole conversation we're having about you know policy and driving that policy. Um, you're not going to achieve zero trust without that policy element either, right? So t talk a little bit about that and kind of what you're you're seeing there. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I think a lot of people, you know, given that zero trust really found its way first and foremost into the workplace and and how you know you can kind of broker what you know someone in your organization can get access to in terms of computing services. So it you know, makes a lot of sense that that's where a lot of the 
perspective got anchored to. Um, we see book zero trust, I think, very much in the way you just described it, which is to you know truly embrace zero trust principles means you need to think about you know many different identities, not just human identity, but you know machine identity, data identity, um, you know workload identity, uh, and and that that's a core part of you know many of the architectural principles that we have, which is to support that service account identity. I mean, there, there are so many <laughs> different things, but you know again, part of what we really see is both you know the ability to kind of have an identity driven architecture um, and then you know really kind of we focus a lot in our world because we, we you know there's lots of different aspects of zero trust uh, you know our principal focus is to say how do you really kind of treat policy as first class so having identity for your policies having identity and versioning so you know how they've changed over time having you know well-defined role and access based you know design model so who, who are who's allowed to write policies over which part of your company are they apply to there's there's a tremendous we think amount of you know both benefit and complexity for managing kind of policy as its own first class item and then being able to associate those policies to those identities whether it be you know principal data that I think is have you know a very high risk benefit factor that I can associate those identities to those data sets to these sets of policies so that kind of capability to move into much more of a contextual based approach to how you're controlling and managing risk you know at the end of the day risk management is is not just kind of following a, a set of you know tick the box it's really saying what is about this information or this this you know asset that I'm trying to protect? What's the best way to protect it, uh, and really kind of enable it to do what it's intended to do in in the best form? And so it really forces you into a much more of a localized versus kind of centralized view of of control. Um, but if you have an automation framework and you have identity and you're maintaining and managing this, you can get to scale. And, and that's really what we focus on helping people with. We you know, hope, hopefully become the platform in which they can really build both their identities, help them create their policy content, and then bring them together in a way that's both very scalable, but also very, very targeted um, and very efficient. Yeah, I love it. And I think you know that's where we see a lot of um... Momentum. We obviously we're we're kind of all in on on Google as a company here at Sada. Uh, we've done a lot of work developing the professional services around their platforms and technologies, um, and that's really what led to this conversation that you and I are having today. Which is you guys are you guys are also there, right? You're you're developing with Google. You're working with Sada. Uh, kind of what made you what made you decide to do that? What how does that help in Concourse Labs kind of achieve your goals? Well, you know, first of all, we're we're a very customer focused business. So we, you know, really kind of follow our clients and, and we help them, you know, become successful in, in cloud. Um, and you know, increasingly we're we're finding that a lot of our clients are turning to Google and, and that's fantastic. Um, you know, we've I, I personally have had longstanding relationships with Google going back to my time at Goldman, um, where, you know, we worked on, you know, many different things that are, are, are pretty commonplace today, including the creation of the whole bring your own key architecture back to, you know, talking about earlier, I think we're still in the early stages of how the cloud itself is going to adapt to enterprise usage. But that was an early example, um, you know, of, of ways that the cloud infrastructure and ecosystem adapted by the teams at Google, really helping create that design of I can bring my own key in order to protect data so I don't have to you know, trust the cloud providers for everything, um, and I can choose where I choose to do that. Um, but you know, our, our our path to working with with Sada and, and and Google started with clients, started with customer demand, which is fantastic. And you know, we're in the process right now of of, of replatforming our product onto GCP, and and we were, had the fortunate capability to get inter, you know be, be introduced to Sada, and it's been a great partnership. So Sada is helping us really kind of bring our product onto GCP 
run and operate it at scale on, on, the, on the GCP platform and be integrated into the GCP marketplace, which, um, you know, knock wood, will be live and, and will be up and running in, in a matter of, you know, a couple of weeks. And um, we'll, but that's kind of how our interaction with, with SADA really began. And we've had a great experience working with the engineering team there. We love working with companies like Concourse Labs and really helping change change the way we're operating in Google Cloud with our customers, um, helping ISV Alliance partners like you guys kind of get off the ground and uh, and make that investment because we're seeing a lot of adoption, obviously on on the Google side and you know they're they're well established now as a player in the in this cloud space and and providing a lot of scale um, and as they you know as the yeah I think you said it earlier right the the cloud environment is coming into its own and this enterprise grade uh, operating models, you know, across all the cloud providers, obviously, um, but customers in particular have this expectation. And so we're, we're excited to be helping, you know, Concourse Labs do these things and, and have you on the show here and talking about this. And I guess with that, I want to turn back to kind of the security conversation. And um, if you're talking to a CISO today, you know, somebody's getting started in this, or just thinking about moving to cloud, or they just got into the cloud, um, trying to trying to mature that. I, actually, I, I let's go to the whole enterprise story, right? You're in the cloud, you've been operating there for a while. Um, what are the things you you would turn and, and kind of say, hey, these are the things you need to be doing as a CISO uh, today, 2023. Um, you know, with all the things going on in 2023, we still need to be thinking about about this and what are, what are those things you'd say? Yeah, I, th- I think depending on the maturity of, of the, you know, the, the person and their team's kind of use of cloud, if, if they were just beginning, I would say, you know, engage in the security planning process early. Um, and I would also say, you know, recognize that part of, you know, your responsibility and, and frankly, your, your great opportunity is to be engaged very actively in what is the architecture and, and the functional and technical architecture for cloud. Because I, I do think regardless whether you're beginning or you're midway through your journey and, and, and certainly those who are well on their way to their journey, I think would, would reinforce this point that security and controls just need to be at the table. Right? It, you know, where we see success in cloud experiences, it's fundamentally correlated to where the control teams are active players active design they're actively involved they're they're first class in the solution set um, where we see challenges often is when that isn't the case and, and security is looked at either as you know a supporting function but not critical to the design and architecture of how we're going to approach cloud um, you know or, or you know in worst cases where it's viewed principally as a control gate or a toll keeper um, you know ultimately and, and really divorced from the approach and so that would be first and foremost I think you know secondly you know very much as we mentioned earlier, you know, we think that a risk-based approach is is essential, that there's just too much benefit, risk reward in, in cloud, you know, going down a path of only looking to control through automation, true, secure, and variance. So things that just should never be true, that's great, except it leaves a lot of things that are judgment driven that are not automated. So again, part of the benefit of, of policy is you could straddle both. You could have policy that's absolute, you know, this must be true and there's no exceptions. And you could have policy again that becomes much more contextually defined that starts to automate things that are sometimes true and sometimes false, depending on you know your your application or your identity or, or whatever, you know, whatever the kind of decision process is. That's an interesting one because that's I think where where the AI ML starts to talk 
the trickle in here, right? Because we do have I think AI has a big role to play there. Absolutely. Yeah. I think there, there are still, you know, quite a bit of deterministic aspects because at the end of the day, you know, there's a certain amount of, you can learn a lot from what you do and, and you can kind of decode from that ideally, you know, what feels to be best practices, but, you know, particularly in regulated firms, um, although I would say that's not entirely completely true, but, you know, in, 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 but certainly true in regulated. But I think that ability to, to know and, and say, this is what I chose, you know, this was my, decision based on you know my criteria um, is extremely important so there's both a combination of learned I think and, and deterministic uh, but it's it's still you know the bottom line is you know envision like a future where you have a lot more applications and data <laughs> than people that needs to be operating safely you know all that I think brings you back towards the recognition that you need automation and automation is probably going to need a platform to facilitate that in order to accomplish it at scale well done. Good to have you on the show. Uh, thanks for taking some time out uh, with us here and uh, joining me on uh, Cloud and Clear. This is an exciting year. I mean, there's a lot of changes. I think the maturity um, that customers are expecting and needing to drive, uh, particularly this year. I mean, I think you know the macroeconomic situation is is causing us all to say, you know, we need to do these things uh, to protect us in the long term. But then there's also the the reality of we've made investments. You know, it used to be the security was a spend of fear, right? Hey, we got to do this. You're going to get hacked. And so we go buy all these tools. I think we've reached a point now uh, on that maturity curve where where our customers are saying, "Okay, yeah, we need these tools. We don't want to we don't want to be in the news, um, but we need to be having a more programmatic approach to to why we're doing what we're doing and what benefit and value we're getting out of the tools that we have purchased. You know where the gaps are in the way we approach security and policy, like we we've been talking about. Um, And I think policy, like you said earlier, is is really going to help us drive that conversation to a mature state and really get the efficiencies we're looking for uh, in the investments that customers are making. Um, so I'm super excited about what you guys are doing uh, this conversation. And I guess with that, any, any last words you want to say to uh, to the audience here in Cloud and Clear? And, uh, and we'll wrap up our show for today. Yeah, no, no. Thank you very much, Rocky. I really appreciate it. I would say, you know, to the to the audience, if if you're you know interested in automation and, and you're thinking about how to make that scale to the size of your institution, um, check us out. Come over to concoursalabs.com. Um, I think you know we've been really kind of driving a lot of value with the clients that we're dealing with, which have tended to be among the largest and most complex. But I think that what we're building and, and creating can scale for pretty much anybody that's looking for a cloud and trying to build that basis of, you know, how am I going to operate automation through policy as code programs and frameworks. So really appreciate the opportunity to be on today. And thank you very much. Yeah, likewise, Don. Don't forget to check out Don and Concourse Labs at concourselabs.com. Tune in uh, next time to Cloud and Clear and uh, like and subscribe below and help us hack Google. Thanks, all. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Cloud and Clear. Check the show notes for links to this week's topics. And don't forget to connect with us on Twitter at Cloud and Clear and our website, sada.com. Be sure to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast app.